0: the word of God this morning and go to the fourth chapter of Acts and we'll continue our look at this first century church and in some ways these next numbers of verses are just this uh, beautiful picture of the church and I'm hesitant to use the word functioning although it's a word that we certainly can relate to it's a word that we often uh, think about but it's a church that is yielded. It's a church that's yielded to the Lord. And there's been a theme that started at 9.15 this morning about my Lord and my God. And we've, it was even in the psalm this morning. It came up in Jeremiah 31. And these are individuals that are believers. Uh, we believe here at our church and that all churches should be made up of regenerate members. Uh, which means that you should know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And uh, if you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, uh, certainly those are uh, regenerate. They are converted. And so we are dealing with something that is uh, what is witnessed amongst believers. What we read is you see the the difference that is made by those who have been redeemed, those who are in Christ Jesus, those who uh, know the Lord. And know Almighty God and in Acts chapter 4 we'll start in verse 29 this morning we're going to work our way to verse 31 it says and now Lord behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of Of thy holy child Jesus and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the Word of God with boldness we looked at part of this last Sunday and we are looking and now considering the prayer of this church their requests that they made of this sovereign Lord. They, the church acknowledged that God was sovereign over all things, even over the council that determined to bring Jesus Christ to the cross. This church acknowledged that this was done by the hands of God. Uh, we just sang that hymn, whatever, I, whatever you ordained, that is right. Whatever you have said, that is right. And God does all things right. And so he is he is he is doing things right then he's doing things right now. God is never wrong in how he deals with us or how he deals with this world. So these this church was a church that was praying properly they were praying considering that they were praying to a sovereign god and because they acknowledge a sovereign god they acknowledge their request is being made to a sovereign lord they were specifically praying and it's this there's some passages in scripture that are so very clear that you see the request and you see the response or the fulfillment. You'll notice that in the verse 29, their request of this sovereign Lord, we're gonna go through this, was that they with all boldness would speak the word. And then as quickly as they asked for it, verse 31 says, and they spake the word of God with boldness. They requested it and they spoke it. They requested to speak and they spoke with boldness. Notice verse 31 says, and when they had prayed, when they had prayed, when they prayed together, when they prayed corporately, the place was shaken where they were assembled. Notice the beauty of this. An assembled church praying together, the place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke or spake the word of God with boldness. This church, again, did not pray for the sovereign Lord to remove the leaders or to remove even the commands to not preach or speak in the name of Christ anymore. They prayed intentionally and specifically for boldness. And God granted that request. They spoke with boldness. God gives witness to his church here in our text by a visible sign. It's a visible sign of the place where they were assembled, praying, being shaken. It was power that was given to them, power that would not just shake heaven, but power that would shake the earth. They prayed for boldness. They received boldness. Make note of the fact, though, that when they had received the boldness, they actually went out and spoke it. They spoke and preached with boldness. Now, you'll notice that before they requested that, the church asked for something very interesting. Verse 29 says, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Now, they're not praying for God to suddenly now look with omniscience. They're not asking him to say, look at this, what they're acknowledging. They already knew that he could see. But what this church was praying for is that he would so take notice of them in his providential hand to restrain or to keep them from encroaching upon them. In other words, behold their threatenings. Lord, make note of them. Mark them. God already knew they were there. God already knew the threatens. But they wanted God to just take notice of it. Look At what's happening here. And grant or give, bestow, we might say, unto thy servants, specifically give to us, the apostles, the ministers, the servants, all that are serving God, give us that with all boldness, that they may speak thy word. Now, notice the emphasis on the phrase, thy word. They wanted not their own words. They didn't want another person's words. They wanted his word. They wanted the message from God to go forward. They wanted the message of God's mercy. They wanted the gospel to go forth. The very request of this church is that the ministers of the word might not be intimidated, would not back down, from the threatenings of the Sanhedrin, but they would declare the word of God with boldness. Boldness, be courageous, clearness of mind, with an openness, with faithfulness. And they were going to have to do this against the very direct orders of this Sanhedrin. This request teaches us a couple things about prayer First of all, it is the gift of God to speak his word. It's the gift of God to speak his word. When we speak the word of God, it is a gift. To preach the word of God, to preach the word of God's grace is a gift. To be hearers of this gift of God's word, to be able to sit here today as an assembled church together and to be able to receive the word of God is a gift. To be able to understand it, to be able to comprehend it, to be able to receive it freely and to to receive it faithfully as it is spoken and as it is in truth. They were not asking for some way to trick, to deceive, to convince. They wanted boldness to speak his word. They wanted boldness to proclaim the truth. As we continue to see churches compromise and assimilate to society, that is not what this church was doing. This church was standing on the truth of God's word. They were not trying to make society more receptive to the message. They were not trying to change it, to water down, to water it down, to compromise on sin, to change what God's word says. They wanted boldness to speak the actual word. So in threatening times, and again, we are in a sense living in times of some threat, but oftentimes when trouble comes, when threatenings come, we pray for the removal of the trouble. We pray for the removal of the threatening instead of praying for boldness to go on. When threatening times come, it should not affect your cheerfulness in the Lord. When threats come, it should not affect your rejoicing in the Lord. When threats come, it should not... not erode your confidence in the Lord. As a matter of fact, it should strengthen it. We should go on with cheerfulness even when threats come, threats to stop or cease the preaching of God's word. Those should not be moments of despair. Those should be moments of strengthening, having the boldness to speak, right? We should have courage. So often our prayers, we pray amiss. We pray with the desire, Lord, take away the threatenings and then I'll go. Take away the trouble, then I'll go. Take away the danger, and then I'll go. No, their prayer was, God, give us grace to continue steadfastly in this work, no matter what the threat is, no matter what the trouble is. Now, again, this is the real first opposition that we're going to see in the book of Acts, and we're only in chapter four. It's filled with opposition. This is only one of many times when the church is going to be faced with the reality. Will we be bold and courageous and cheerful and rejoicing even in the face of threats? Or are we just going to cave and compromise? Give us grace to go on steadfastly. Don't fear what man can do to us. Now, again, if we're going to be faithful to the word, it's a, it's a surety that somewhere right now, we are being opposed. Every church that's preaching the truth has some form of opposition against it. Now, again, sometimes we have a really hard time separating our personal feelings out of things. And we say, I don't like the feeling of being opposed. I don't like the feeling of being at odds. The gospel and the word of God is automatically going to cause a division. It's a division that you cannot, you can't take the edge off of it. You can't make it less sharp. And so don't be surprised when we start hearing about opposition and we start hearing about threats. We start hearing about threatenings against The word going forward. And again, this is not about us. It's about the word of God. Why? Because when you preach the word with boldness, it will cause offense. It will cause opposition. So what did these men knew? What did these men know? What did this church knew? No, they knew that we need to have the boldness to keep on preaching the truth, even when the opposition gets hotter than it is now. So God, give us the grace to go on boldly and courageously, to not fear. Again, they're not saying, God, we got this. They're saying, God, behold their threatenings. Take note of them. You know what a threat is? A threat is a desire to weaken you. A threat is a desire to silence you. If I threaten them, they'll stop. Well, the reality is, as many churches that are not founded upon the word of God, when threats come, they will just simply disappear because there is nothing holding them up. It will weaken them. It'll it'll take away. It's to drive us away. And it's what leads churches to say, well, we just want to be friends with all of society. There's no way you can stand on the truth of God's word and just be friends with all of society. Again, we're not talking about being ugly people. We're not talking about being people who are obnoxious in our faith. But the word of God is going to proclaim and is going to preach against those things which are in this world, which are contrary to the word of God. There is no room to just simply say, well, we need to just get along better with society so that they'll accept us. The gospel has never been truly accepted across the board by every single person. It's met with opposition. And yet this church wanted God to not only take notice, but to give them the boldness that they might be able to stand and go steadfastly in this power. Now in verse 30, you'll notice that they speak about the signs to heal and the wonders may be done. By the name of Thy Holy Child Jesus. Of course, in this day and in this time, there were these miracles. There were these healings. Remember, the entire source of this of this prayer meeting now is the direct result of a healing that Peter and John had performed in the power of God. And those messages were going forth, and their prayer was that these things would be used. These things would be used in the face of all of the devices, all the schemes of these these leaders and these rulers. They would be confirming signs of the truth of the doctrine of the gospel, that these men that would go forth preaching this church, it would stand for the truth would not only be ready, but they would have a firmness about them. They would stand firm in their belief that the signs and the wonders may be done by the name of my holy child, Jesus. Remember that healing could not be denied. That healing of that lame man could not be refuted. Even people who were not part of the Sanhedrin could not argue that they had witnessed a great miracle. A man who had been lame from birth could suddenly now walk, he could leap, And here they had evidence right in front of them. They're praying for the divine aid of God to go forth and go in the strength of the Lord, their God. They pray that God would continue to heal. They pray that God would continue to work. They pray that Christ would be the very aim of their lives. They're praying that God would show his power One thing we prayed for specifically this morning was we were praying specifically that the power of God would be seen today. I made mention of the reality that we can so easily fall into and know how to, quote unquote, do church. We can know how to come and take our place. We know the proper decorum. We know how to sing. We know how to pray. We know how to talk. We know how to, but the power of God is what they were praying for. They were praying. We'll we'll expound upon this more at 1130. But they understood that this was all dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God. And that's why when they see and what they're praying for, you see the acknowledgement of the Holy Ghost being mentioned in verse 31. And notice in verse 31, it does tell us, and when they had prayed when they had prayed either as they were in the midst of it or as they brought it to conclusion their prayer is heard and an answer is returned almost instantly maybe even while the prayer was being offered soon as the prayer was ended there was a sign that was meant to instill in them an awe and a wonder, to be amazed at what was happening here. The place was shaken where they were assembled together. Now, whether this was a private house, whether it was a temple, we're not sure, depending on how many people were there. But this place was the place that was used To assemble it was shaken it 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 mem it puts our memory back to the mighty rushing wind the day of Pentecost what this is meant is not meant to be some charismatic thing that we can latch on to it was just a reminder again a symbol of the divine presence of God it was a reminder that your prayer has been heard the shaking of the place, the shaking of where they were was meant to be a sign to them that God's presence was with them. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They were given the, the gifts of the Holy Ghost. They were given the ability. And, and we see these, these men go forth speaking with diverse tongues and they've had the ability to perform miracles. We realize that those, those sign gifts like that have ceased in our day but this wasn't the case for them remember the gospel still going forth the word of god's not been completed yet and here you have the ministers going forth now sometimes because we don't see god in this same way today we suddenly think that god is not as powerful suddenly we're not seeing these these uh, uh, unbelievable outpourings of the spirit like they saw and i wonder if we truly believe that the Holy Spirit can work in power like this anymore. And I've said to us many, many times, the single conversion of a single soul is a mighty display of the power of God. Because that soul is not converted apart from the Holy Spirit. The word of God is not preached without the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody can stand up and speak. Anybody can stand up and give a speech. Anybody can stand up and give uh, some kind of a talk. Preaching is not just talking. It's not just giving a speech. It's not, it, is, it is accompanied in the power of God. And without the power of, a God, a power of God accompanying those words, it's just a talk. It's interesting that some churches are even afraid to use the word preaching anymore. Now they don't call it preaching. They say it's time for the talk. It's time for the talk. And it's treated as if preaching is the problem. The power of God is in the preaching of the word. It always has been. Well, I just got to get down to where the people are. We've got to make this more of a talk. Now, this was these men were being filled to go out and preach an unpopular message. To a world that was opposed to it. So the request was that they would speak the word with boldness. The response was they spoke. Now, this was not against their will. They went out and spoke the word. They went out in confidence. They went out in faith that they had been given boldness to speak. To have boldness is not just meaning that you are like a stone. What it means is is they spoke with freedom. In other words, they were not worried, concerned about the words that they spoke because they were speaking the word of God. They weren't fearful. They had the freedom to speak it. They had no fear, not only privately, but in the community and even in the temple. They didn't change the word because of where they were. They spoke freely and without fear, and they spoke boldly. Isn't it remarkable that what they prayed for is exactly what they got? It's exactly what they received. Pray for boldness, and they received it. Pray for be without fear, and they received it. God gave this sign as an acceptance of their prayer. The place was shaken. That their faith would continually be more established we should have a faith, brethren, that's unshakable. We should have a faith that is not easily moved off of its foundation because a mere threat comes up against us. We should not simply have a faith that is wavers, that's tossed to and fro. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is also what gives us the encouragement it's what enables us to speak. We read in the Psalm today, that David was talking about the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my strength. When they knew that the Lord, their God, would help them by the Spirit of God, they knew that they were not going to be easily moved. It's a reminder to them that we have more reason to fear God than to fear any man who lives. We are to fear God. We're to fear God and to keep His commandments. We're to fear God and to obey His precepts. Sadly, we're more yielded to be more fearful of what man can do to us than being fearful before a holy and a righteous God. Encouraged, enabled, edified. The Holy Spirit not only taught them what to speak, but how to speak. What to say. They spake the word of God with boldness. Imagine praying and getting exactly what you ask for. Sadly, a lot of... Many, if you ask them, do you believe in prayer? They would say, well, it's not really that crucial. It's not really that important. Some have even made the grand mistake of saying, if God is sovereign, why pray? Well, even if that was the only reason you should pray because God's commanded you to pray. We're called to come together to pray. We're called to assemble together to pray together. Not just when something difficult arises, but to pray on a regular basis. Prayer is answered all the time. Prayer is answered in our lives each and every day. And the more that we learn how to pray, the more that we become praying people, the more we learn that our prayer starts to change and we suddenly don't want prayer requests of our own answered anymore. We want God's will done in our life. And our greatest concern doesn't come with, take all the trouble out of my life. Our great prayer request comes, Lord, give us boldness to pray even in the face of threats and opposition. Unfortunately, and I say that unfortunately, the American church hasn't been shaken quite enough to be put into this fear yet. We've not been driven by a real fearful oppression and opposition yet. It shouldn't take... Something overwhelmingly fearful to drive us to our knees in prayer. It shouldn't take that to bring us. And, and it, for, for many, that's why the church is asleep. Brother, you can disagree with this, but the, United, the American church is asleep. It's sound asleep, it's been lulled into an indifferent, apathetic attitude. And this was not a church that could be apathetic. It couldn't just lay back and say, let's just do nothing. No, it needed boldness and we need boldness. We need boldness even when we don't know that we need it. See, when the real trials come and the real struggle and the real persecution comes against the church, not everybody you look around, and not just us, churches all across the world, you look around, not everybody you're seated next to will be sitting, sitting sitting there any longer. Some will that'll be all it'll take. A little bit of oppression. And they'll be, they'll be fleeing from it. A little bit of oppression, a little bit of fear, a little bit of trouble. Again, we come each and every Sunday, each and every Wednesday without any real fear of really any real oppression, any real opposition. This church, when they prayed, this church, when they came together, and it leads us, what we'll talk about at 1130, you get this picture, you get the characteristics of a church that truly believes these things, a church that is being driven by this, and we'll look at that very first phrase, the multitude of them that believed, a regenerate church membership were of one heart and one soul. That phrase, those those expressions. Again, I used the word at the beginning functioning, but this is much more than functioning. This this is a community of people who were all driven together, who were unified by that first and that first core foundation belief regenerate there is no such thing as an unregenerate church member. There's no such thing. A church is made up of regenerate people, people who have been saved by the grace of God. This was a regenerate membership. These were people who were unified. These were people who had boldness. These are people who, who had all things in common, which we'll look at today. But one of the great things about this, and that'll be the title of 1130, is that they had great power and great grace. Power and the great grace of God. This place was shaken. They prayed to a sovereign God. God, behold the threatenings and grant us boldness. Grant us boldness to stand even in the present evil day. Amen.